Hi, welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Alex Papas, Senior Pastor at Oceans Unite Christian Center. Well, it's great to be with you all this evening and just looking forward to seeing what the Lord has. I have a message that the Lord really dropped in my spirit. But before we get into the word this morning, this evening, it's morning somewhere, (laughs) I just want to say that we really need to pray for for America. Yes, we need to pray for the Ukraine without a doubt. This morning in the prayer meetings, we really cried out to God to intervene in the situation in Ukraine with Russia and all these personalities and egos and things. I saw interviews of Russian civilians that were so upset about what was taking place in Ukraine so sad. So we pray for, for them. <clears throat> this morning while we were praying, you know, I realized that, you know, if you look at the Old Testament, it was always what was going on with Israel that was affecting the planet. It was when Israel would backslide that things would go wrong. It was when Israel turned their back on God that things would go wrong. You know, in this nation, we pray for our government, we pray for our leaders, but we really need to pray for the church. We really need to pray for the church in this nation because the church, in many ways, is not healthy. And I'm not saying that to be be judgmental or to point a finger at anybody. Because like the Bible says, first take the plank out of your own eye before you try and take the speck out of your brother's eye. So we need to all examine ourselves. If there's one thing God has been very heavy with me on over the last few months, it's always examine yourself. And I shared that with you a few months ago, how you know, the Lord's really sort of put that on me. But we really need to pray for our nation. You know, I believe with all of my heart that God loves America. I'm gonna say that again. You know, if I, if, I could only, if I could only let you see what I've seen, <laughs> I have absolutely no doubt that God loves this country. And you want me to, and you know how I know? Because he told me. He told me. He told me that he loves America. And when he told me that he loved America, my heart broke so much because I realized, but does America love you back, God? Do we love you back? Certainly not the way that you love us. And I'm not talking about the nation. I'm talking about the church in the nation. Does the church love him the way that he loves us, America? Because I promise you, I heard the words, I heard his words so clearly in the prayer meeting this morning. As he said to me, he said to me, I love America with an everlasting love. It was so powerful. It was so intense. And then it was like, it's like I knew what the question was. But what about us? What are we gonna do? We have to stand up as the church and we have to be obedient to his word. 
and we have to follow him and we have to seek him with all of our hearts, regardless of our own agendas, denominations and all of that stuff. Is that okay? You know, let's, let's not attack. In my studies for Revelation and for the book of 1 John that we're doing in the cell groups, you groups, one of the commentators make a statement about John. They say that when John left the Isle of Patmos, the island of Patmos, and went back to the church at Ephesus, that he was very old. Most scholars believe he was in his hundreds, you know, not hundreds, but over a hundred. Definitely not in his hundreds, he was not Moses. Anyway, okay. So they say that he would go to the church at Ephesus, and by the way, Timothy was still the pastor at that time. It's, most scholars agree that Timothy was still the lead pastor. Imagine being the pastor and, and the, the only living original disciple is sitting in your congregation. And so you can imagine they would try and get him to speak, but he was old and he didn't want to speak. But they say that they got him up to the front. Now, this is not something that I can confirm. Again, this is what scholars have said about some of the historians that wrote about that time that were supposedly living at that time. But all that he would say was love your neighbor. Can we do that? Can we love each other? It was like he was saying, if you can just get that right, the church will be a success. Can we love each other instead of standing and pointing a finger and saying, well, that church this and that church that and that and that and that. You've seen that one and that one and that one. But Jesus died for them all. Amen. Amen. That's all right. You don't have to like it. That's okay. My message this, morning, this evening <laughs> is entitled, Today is the Day. Today is the day. I'm going to be starting a series on Revelation tomorrow. I'm very excited to be doing it with you guys. It's been really interesting preparing for it because I had, had this dream about how I was going to really dig into some historical stuff so I could show you things, and then I realized that I don't have 125 weeks to do it. So... I'm gonna do my very best, but what I really wanna do is bring the message, the message through. That's what I'm trusting God for. So I'm looking so forward to that, but before we get into it, I feel this message is so important for us, for what's going on on the planet right now, and also diving into a message like this, it's incredible to me. I don't really understand it, but I know that some people, when we dive into the book of Revelation or we talk about the end times, some people actually get afraid. And I want you to know that there's no reason to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. Is that okay? And so we're going to go to the scriptures and we're going to go to the book of 1 Kings, chapter number 17, in just a moment. But let me give you a little bit of background. Just want to tell you one thing, really, that... The prophet Elijah has declared a drought. He spoke, he said there'll be a drought, a famine and a drought that'll take place, and so there was. And things were not going so great. And so we pick it up in 1 Kings 17, verse number eight. Many of you know the story, 
but it's gonna lay a foundation for where I wanna go this evening. 1 Kings 17, verse number eight. Then the word of the Lord came to him, this is to Elijah, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of that city, of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And so she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin, and a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. So I want you to see that her hope in this famine and drought that's taking place in the land, she's got very little left, just enough to prepare a meal for her and her son. And as you can see by the way that she's speaking, there's no doubt that she doesn't even have enough bread or flour for tomorrow. She only has enough for today because they're going to eat today, enjoy it, and tomorrow they're going to die. So there's no hope. But look at verse 13, and Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as you have said, but make a small cake from it first and bring it to me, and afterward make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day of the Lord sends rain on the earth. That's good news. Amen. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. I want you to imagine some prophet dude arrives in town. There's no food. There's very little water. There's no rain. And he comes and he says, listen, you know, I want you to give me some water and some, you know, and she says to him, listen, you know, I only have enough food to just make my son and I a cake, a little, little bread loaf, and then we're going to eat it and die. So, so he says to her, listen, do exactly as you've said, but listen, don't just give yourself some, give me one too. And he says, but don't worry about it because listen, if you do this, that flower will never run out until the famine, until the drought is over. Now, you have to try and imagine this. Don't just read over it. What would you do? What would you do in that situation? She's probably very hungry. They've probably been rationing just a little bit to make sure they have just a little bit every day. And this is probably the very last bit that she has. But she makes a decision to believe. She makes a decision to believe. The Bible says, the Bible says that she says this. She says, so she said, so she went and did according to the word of Elijah. Now you must remember the word of Elijah is like the word of the Lord. 
God has spoken through the prophet, this would be like you and I reading the Bible, reading scripture, and being obedient to the word because of what the word says. So we don't walk by what we see or what's going on around us, but we get a word from God, we trust that this is his word, and we act upon his word. And then there's a response. Now, watch what it says. In verse number 16, let's read it from there. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord which he spoke by Elijah. And now it happened, after these things, that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick. So the son gets sick. And his sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him. So she said to Elijah, what have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? And he said to her, give me your son. Let's stop there. I want you to imagine this. So now the, the flower's there. You know, the bread's not running out. But suddenly her son gets really, really sick. And so she's really, really upset. How many of you would be a little bit upset? And she says, listen, my son, you know, he's dying. He's going to die. I want you to understand that sometimes when God moves in your life, sometimes you'll get a response that'll come from the enemy or it'll come from the world or bad things can happen, but you still have to stand strong. Sometimes when you get a breakthrough, you see a breakthrough come, suddenly something will happen, but you still have to stand strong. No matter what, are you with me? Now, the story is good. Watch what happens. And he said to her, verse number 19, give me your son. So he took him out of her arms and carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on, the, on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord and said, oh, Lord, my God. Have you also brought tragedy on the widow whom I, whom, whom, whom I lodge by killing her son? And he stretched himself over the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. So the child is definitely dead. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came back to him, and he revived. So he came back to life. Amen. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, see, your son lives. So in other words, listen, I'm not false. I'm not fake. This, see, here's your son. Amen. <laughs> and then the woman said to Elijah, now by this I know that you are a man of God. So she wasn't convinced before this. And that the word of the Lord is in your mouth that the word of the Lord in your mouth is true. Amen. Amen. There's something so powerful about this story. It's interesting to me because if we look at the story, we'll see a couple of different things. But the one thing I want you to focus on this evening is when the woman was about to lose her last piece of bread or her last bit of flour, she believed the word of the Lord. Now, immediately in her mind, she must have been thinking, well, what am I going to do tomorrow? What am I going to do tomorrow? And she must have, in her mind, begun to worry about tomorrow. How many of you sometimes 
maybe even now, worry about what's coming. Worry about tomorrow. Worry about what's happening on the world right now. How many of us worry? But you see, God's word is relevant to us now. We need to act on his word right now. We need to believe on his word right now. Look at what it says in Matthew 6, verse 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I believe that God is speaking to us right now, to the church, to you and I. And he wants us to take a hold of every moment. He wants us to take a hold of every day and serve him and follow him and love him with all of our hearts. I believe that God doesn't want us to worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will take care of its own self. If we can have faith today, I want you to know that the faith you have today will affect your tomorrow. The problem is, is that so many of us, so many of us yesterday worried about today. But did it help you yesterday or did it rob you from today? The problem is, is that we worry so much about tomorrow that it robs our today. You see, when you begin to worry, you begin to operate by your feelings and your emotions and you don't operate by faith anymore. You don't operate by his word anymore. You know, Ukraine's busy bombing, you know, busy getting bombed and Russia's gonna come for this country next and then it's gonna be the beginning of World War III and, you know, what's gonna happen and then, oh my gosh, it's gonna be the end of the time and then the 666 is gonna appear. Maybe it's Vladimir Putin, I don't know, you know. You know, all of this stuff, we start worrying, we start worrying, we start panicking and you become so ineffective because you're walking by sight and not by faith. We're not operating by the word. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. I believe we lose out on today feeling guilty about yesterday and worrying about tomorrow. I believe that's one of the enemy's greatest strategies to get you to worry and think about all the things you did wrong yesterday and then to look to tomorrow and go, oh, it doesn't look very good. Did you watch the news? Okay, let me not go there. I don't want to do that. Tomorrow doesn't look good. It doesn't look bright. There's so many problems. There's so many worries. And the thing is, is that if you really stop for just a moment and think about where God has brought you from, you're not where you used to be. In fact, you already look much better than you did before. I'm not saying you can't plan for tomorrow. Plan for tomorrow. But have faith and serve God today with all of your heart. The Bible says, the Bible says that, that today, today it says has sufficient, it's, it's enough of its own problems, its own worries. Just get through the day. Just work through today. Don't worry about tomorrow. How many times do we wake up in the morning and say, you know, this is gonna be a day where I'm gonna spend more time with God. I'm gonna serve the Lord today. And then you stump your foot against the thing down the stairs and something comes out of your mouth that shouldn't. That's never me, but I know some of you are like that. And it just starts the wrong way, you bad person, you. And then you're like, geez, you know, I can't, I, should, I don't think I can pray now and my mind's all messed up and let's just look at Facebook. 
or you wake up and you feel all guilty and you things that have happened in the past or whatever and you're sitting down and you think God doesn't hear my prayers and you put the TV on and you look at tomorrow's news and oh my gosh, this tomorrow's a disaster and I better start you know, stocking up on water. I better start doing this. I better start doing all that. It's the end of the world. It's the end of the world. But God is saying, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. Now, it's interesting because if we look at Scripture, the Bible says even this in Proverbs 27, verse number one, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. In other words, listen, you may worry about tomorrow, but you may not even make it to tomorrow. So don't worry about tomorrow. Deal with what you can today. Young people, don't think you've got lots of time to serve God right. Don't wait for tomorrow. Do it today. Don't wait for another opportunity. Make a decision today. Serve Him with your whole heart right now. Don't wait for tomorrow. Do it now. My wife has this saying that she learned as a child. And she's, she's taught me this. It's obviously in a different language. It's in Afrikaans. But the saying is, didn't it know, didn't it know, which you can kind of figure out what it means. It means do it now. So whenever we want to do something, she always says, don't procrastinate, do it now. Do it now. Serve God now. Well, you know, I'll tithe later. No, do it now. Oh, well, you know, I'm going to serve him, but evangelize next week. No, do it now. When you're at the cash register, you see the lady and you can feel your heart pounding and your heart's beating and you know you're supposed to say something. You think, oh, if I see it tomorrow, I'll do it tomorrow. No, do it now. Do it today. Don't do it tomorrow. Do it now. Amen. God wants us to move now. God wants us to speak now. God wants us to be filled with His Spirit now. God wants us to seek Him now. God wants us to, to desire Him now. God wants us to worship Him now. We shouldn't sit and worry about tomorrow all the time. Amen. Amen. I want to go to Matthew 26, verse 27. Just go a few verses back there. Matthew, 20, Matthew 6, 26, 27. We know that God will provide for us. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. He says in verse 26, look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? How many of you know this is the truth? Come on, guys, get real for just a moment. How often do we spend time worrying about stuff that's coming for absolutely no reason? Oh, well, you know, you know, you're sitting here right now, but you'll say, oh, well, you know, Pastor Alex, you know, you don't know how hard it was. You don't know how rough it was. I understand, but you hear you made it. You're still alive. There's still breath in your lungs. Looks like you got some clothes on. Looks like you're busy making it. It might not be so great right now. You might be going through some tribulations, some trials right now, but you're still standing. Don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will take care of itself. Don't walk by sight. Walk by faith. Believe God's word to be true. Stand on his word. Don't worry about the 666. Don't worry about the beast and the antichrist. Don't worry about Vladimir Putin. Don't worry about it. 
Don't worry about it. God will take care of it. Oh, he'll take care of it. Don't worry. You worry about today. Because tomorrow you won't get today back. It's gone. Oh, well, you know, next time I come to church, I'll give my life to Jesus. Next time I come to church, I'm going to try. That's the day I'm going to really worship. Next time. You don't know that there will be a next time. If you study the story of Elijah, this story is so powerful. Because after that story comes the story where he goes into the battle with the prophets on Mount Carmel. How many of you know that story? And so he gets into this battle with the prophets, and it's one of the most glorious stories in Scripture. I love it. And the truth is, I've been there. I've been to Mount Carmel where he calls fire down from heaven. And, and, and what ends up happening is all the prophets, those prophets of Baal, they, they end up dying. It's, they, they challenge him, and, and the Lord just shows up in the most marvelous, dramatic, incredible way where God answers with fire. You all know the story. And so we see this incredible victory. Straight after this victory, Elijah goes up on a mountain and cries out to God and says, Lord, will you send the rain? The drought needs to end. The people have turned their hearts back towards you. Now, Lord, will you send the rain? And he begins to cry out to God. And we know the story, how he sends his servant to go see if there's, if there's a cloud in the sky, but there's no cloud. He goes back and he says, no, there's no cloud. He sends him again. There's no cloud. He comes back, is there cloud? No, there's no cloud. Personally, he goes back the last time and he says, listen, this prophet's lost his mind. Listen, there's no clouds in the sky. He goes back. The prophet says, do you see a cloud? I don't even know if he's telling the truth. But he says, listen, I see a cloud the size of a man's fist. It's just like this size. If I look up in the whole sky, there's this tiny little white spot right over there. It looks like the size of a man's fist. That's all the prophet needed. And he begins to cry out to God, begins to give him thanks. He just needed one tiny little, tiny little mustard seed to believe God that he would answer his prayer. And you all know the story that the rain came down. But the very next day, something happens. In 1 Kings 19, verse number one, Ahab, it says, and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Also, how he had executed all the prophets with a sword. Listen, this is dramatic stuff. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, so let the God... Do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. Now, just imagine. He's seen the miracle with the, the Zarephath lady. He's called a drought. The drought happened. He's called fire down from heaven and executed all the false prophets. I mean, this guy's seen one miracle after another. And he gets a word that tomorrow you're going to die. Tomorrow your life is over, Elijah. And the Bible says this, watch this. And when he saw that, what happened? He believed 
he saw, he began to worry about tomorrow. He was no longer acting by faith, but acting by what he saw. It says, and when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life. Are you kidding me? This is Jezebel. She can't even wear makeup properly. (laughs) But he gets a word from Jezebel that says, listen, tomorrow, today you had a victory. Today you slay the prophets. Today you called fire, fire down from heaven. Today there was rain that fell because you prayed and the heavens opened up. But tomorrow, Elijah... Tomorrow you're going to die. And he stopped worrying about, stopped thinking about today and began to worry about tomorrow. And what happened? He ran for his life. He ran for his life because he began to worry about tomorrow. He began to act by sight and not by faith. And most of you know the story. It says that in verse three, it says, and when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to, Be- to Be- Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and went his ser- and, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under the broom tree and he prayed that he might die. How is this possible? And said, Is it enough now? Lord, take my life, for I am no longer better than my father's. I think this story is unbelievable. How he can go from having these incredible victories and all of a sudden, because of one threat about tomorrow, he now wants to die. How many of you have been there? Come on, let's be honest. Maybe you didn't want to die, but it was really bad. You lost your faith. You lost your hope. You lost your trust in God in just that one split moment. And in this story, it's because suddenly he begins to worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow, guys. Don't worry about what will happen tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Today is all you have a guarantee of right now, this moment. Worship him, love him, serve him, follow him with all of your heart. That's all you can do right now. Don't sit and waste this moment on worrying about tomorrow. Because the result of worrying about tomorrow always ends up in trouble. So don't waste your time doing it. Is that okay? Don't worry. God is very good to Elijah and sends angels to feed him. It's not that bad, okay? Because God still loves him so much. 2 Timothy 1 verse number 7 says this. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Did you know that the Greek word there for fear is only used once in the New Testament? And it actually means coward. That's what it really means. It's the only place it's used. He says, I I did not give you a spirit. God has not given you a spirit of a coward. He has not given you a spirit of fear. 
In other words, don't worry. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. Don't be timid. Don't be scared. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry, Timothy, what's going on. Don't worry. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on your calling. Keep Stay close to God. He's given you a spirit of love. He's given you power. He's given you a sound mind. You can deal with everything that comes your way. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about any threat. Don't worry what anybody says. You stay close to God. He's given you a spirit. He's given you an inner man that can handle everything that comes your way. Love and power, sound mind, and much, much more. He's given it to you. Don't focus on the problems. Don't focus on what might go wrong. Don't focus on what's out of your control. Stay close to God. Don't be afraid. Amen. You see, the Bible is very clear about how important it is for us to stay focused on today. God wants you to do something today. That's why the Bible says in Psalm 118 verse 24, This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Come on. It doesn't say this is the day tomorrow. It says this is the day. You have this day. You got up this morning and God gave you this day. Celebrate this day. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Listen, we still have in church, we still have bread on our tables. We still have water in our faucets. We can still go to bed at night. The Lord is with us. No matter what's going on in the world, He is still on the throne. He's still in control. Come on, He's given you this day. Give Him praise. Give Him thanks. Give Him worship. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible teaches us when when we pray, we should pray like this. He says in Matthew 6, 11, it says, give us this day our daily bread. He doesn't say, Lord, give me bread for tomorrow. He says, no, give me this day my daily bread. Why? Because all you need to do is get through today. Tomorrow, God will take care of you. If you get through today, tomorrow, he'll take care of you. So it's this day that we have to focus on, not tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. Amen. Today will take care of its, tomorrow will take care of itself. And this is, this verse to me is so powerful. Lamentations 3.23 says this. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. And this scripture means so much more to me than what it used to. Because I realized that his mercies, his grace, his compassion... Yes, I need it because of things I've done wrong, but I just needed to get through the day. And I want you to know that they are fresh, they are new, they are there ready for you to get through the day. You can get through this day because His mercies are fresh and they're new and they're ready for you. It says nothing about tomorrow, but don't worry about tomorrow. He'll take care of your tomorrow. He'll give you glimpses of your tomorrow. But don't fear your tomorrow. Because if you focus on tomorrow, especially the negative stuff, you're going to want to go hide in the cave. Even if you've had great victories in your walk with God. God is calling us right now not to wait for tomorrow to have revival. He wants us to have it now. 
He wants us to experience His love and His mercy and His goodness right now. Not tomorrow, today. I know that there are many people that suffer with anxiety and fear. And many suffer and worry about tomorrow. Well, I'm here to tell you that the Bible tells us that you don't have to worry and that His mercies are yours right now. But give your heart to Him right now, in this moment, in this place. You don't have to wait for anything else, for any other service. And you don't have to go home and focus on all the negative stuff. Be informed. Nothing wrong with that. But look at it and then say, Lord, I know you're in control. I know, I know you're in control. Everything is moving in a direction, Father. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's my desire, Father. I know I'm part of the plan that you've, I know I'm here for such a time as this. Let your will be done in my life, in my marriage, with my children, in the church, in your lives. I pray for you every single day, church. My son prays for you every day. Every day he says, Lord, and he says, what does he say? What does he say? He says, please be with everybody at Oceans Unite. Every, every night he does it. He even forgets some of his family members, but he prays for you every night. Prays for mommy, daddy, and sometimes he misses me or misses mommy, but he prays for you every day. If we could just have that same faith that Elijah had with the prophets of Baal in that moment. If you could just have that same faith with the woman of Zarephath, just in that moment, instead of worrying about the threats of tomorrow. Because if the word of God says that it'll take care of itself, then what must you do? Believe. Don't fear. You don't need to fear anymore. Amen. Let's bow our heads. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. For more teaching like this and other material, please visit our website at www.oceansunite.com.